This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. Let's join Craig Earlham in London. Good afternoon, Craig. Good afternoon, mate. How are you? Very well for the start of the week. Let's first talk about the Bank of Japan. And the big question is whether or not it's going to continue to intervene. How long can they see this thing out? I mean, the how long is one thing because really they could do it for a lot longer yet because they do have massive reserves. So it's not necessarily how long can they do it for in terms of the reserves, but it's more a case of uh, how much of the Japanese debt do they want to own because they already own a huge portion. So it's already, uh, compared to the size of the overall bond market, a relatively illiquid market at this point because of the scale of interventions over the best part of a decade now, if not uh, a full decade. And the problem that they have right now is that towards the back end of last year when the dollar was really strong, they were having to intervene in the markets an awful lot. Yields were rising around the world. And its yield curve control tool, which when all central banks had low interest rates, was a very clever tool because what they effectively said is rather than doing X amount of bond buying every single month, they what their target was was they're going to keep the 10-year JGB at 0% and they will allow to buffer each side of 25 basis points and if it starts to push against that buffer or go outside of that buffer zone then they will intervene in the markets to bring it back within. That was very easy when everyone was at 0% because there wasn't really that much challenge uh, to that. But what happened is when everyone else started raising interest rates and the Bank of Japan didn't because inflation was not as uh, nearly as big a problem, uh, well, then all of a sudden they started seeing a lot more pressure, a lot more selling of bonds because the anticipation was that they would eventually have to join and maybe not raise rates to the same extent as other countries, but certainly start moving away from the ultra-loose monetary policy that they were seeing. Now, they had to intervene a lot in the markets when the yen was very weak compared to the dollar. And then when the dollar stopped gaining quite so much and actually started giving back some of those gains, then the pressure did ease up a little bit because interest rate expectations were being paired back around the world. And then just before Christmas, they tweaked their yield curve control tool. They said it used to be a 25 basis point buffer, so 0.25% or minus 0.25%. We're going to tweak that and make it 0.5%. And I think the idea was they were going to buy themselves a little bit of breathing room, allow the market that little bit of extra freedom in the hope that that would mean that they don't have to intervene in the markets anymore. And really, the markets took it very differently. They took it as weakness. They took it as, well, clearly they're moving away from their ultra-loose monetary policy. Inflation is actually above target currently, even though the central bank continued to claim that this was transitory, which sounds very familiar, but driven by high input costs. Uh, imports of uh, fuel uh, uh, and transitory items and a weaker yen so that it wasn't going to last. It was uh, it, it was very basically cost pressures rather than sustainable inflation pressures. And the so the market really started pushing back and it's been pushing back really strongly ever since. Now we're seeing the 10-year yield at around 0.5%, even moving slightly above here at times because the markets are putting that much pressure on. The Bank of Japan having to intervene on a daily basis, it seems at this point in time. And now we've got this meeting on Wednesday. And the question is, and speculation is rife in the markets, that they'll either tweak it again or they'll abandon it altogether. And I think that's why we're seeing much more pressure again on the markets today. We're seeing a strengthening of the yen uh, at times because this expectation that yields are going to have to move higher, which is going to be supportive for the currency because the Bank of Japan is not going to continue to intervene over the longer term. So I think that's going to be one of the really interesting things to monitor over the course of this week with the meeting itself taking place on Wednesday. 
And it is quite a busy week ahead, although, of course, today is a public holiday in the USA, uh, headlined perhaps by the big meeting in uh, Davos, where the uh, the good and the, uh, well, maybe not so great, are convening. Uh, how important is this Davos meeting? Though I, I note that the UK Prime Minister and Chancellor of the Exchequer are not going to be there, although the leader of the opposition will be. Yeah, I'd say it's where the elite uh, kind of go uh, and uh, enjoy the surroundings uh, for uh, this particular week every year. And of course, you've got politicians, you've got reporters and everything. So it does seem to be a congregation of very important people and very influential people, ultimately. And you do tend to see a lot of central bankers there. So we are going to hear various speeches from various central bankers around the world over the course of this week. So I think it's going to be very active on that point. And it comes at a really opportune time. I mean, we've been all following the markets over the course of the last decade and quite a lot of that let's face it was pretty dull because interest rates were at zero and the question was always is there going to be more qe is there going to be more qe again are we going to see balance sheets rising because we need more qe well the question is very different now we've got questions to bank of japan are you going to abandon the yield curve control to the ecb are you going to continue to raise interest rates? Are you going to raise by another 150 basis points? Bank of England, where is it exactly going to end? Federal Reserve, we're seeing disinflation now. Are you going to bring an end to uh, to to interest rate rises? And could you start cutting rates later on this year? You've got these differentials now where all central banks are not doing basically the same thing. And that makes these events much more interesting as far as I'm concerned. But you also have other elites throughout the uh, throughout the business world as well who attend these events or getting their perspective on things is always going to be interesting as well. So Davos is that one event of the year where people do pay a lot of attention. Uh, and and, and those, uh, those fortunate enough to be there get to enjoy the sceneries that uh, Davos has uh, to offer. So we're going to get a lot more perspective over the course of this week and the fact that it's occurring at such a time when we are seeing disinflation does make it all the more interesting as well and coupled with that those central bank announcements that lie in store as well yeah of course i mean we, we're not going to get the ecb and u.s interest rate decisions until next month so we're two or three weeks away from that the bank of japan is the one that really does stand out uh this week although of course others will be active over the coming weeks as well but like i say getting their perspective in the run-up to these events is going to be crucial I wanted to ask you about Bitcoin because the bounce continues. Your colleague Ed Moyer was talking about this last week. Once it uh, hit that 18,500 mark, it's continued to climb. It has, and it's risen over the weekend. It's risen above 21,000 at this stage. It's just below $21,000 at the point of recording and it is really interesting because we have seen a big risk rebound at the start of this year in the broader markets there's no hiding away from that and cryptocurrency has been swept up within that and what what's really interesting about that is we saw a risk rebound in the markets a couple of months ago as well but that was occurring at the time of the ftx debacle and the fallout from that and that happened very quickly so i felt like cryptocurrencies very much missed out on that uh, risk rebound that we saw and I wonder whether they're kind of making up for a bit of lost time because Bitcoin, I think, is up around 25% now uh, so far this year, given that we're two weeks into it. It's pretty phenomenal. So maybe this playing a bit of a catch up here and just basking in the fact that we haven't had any more contagion and we haven't had any more fallout or any more humiliations in other parts of the industry as well. Uh, so it's going to be a really interesting one. One thing I'll always say is, and I'm not just talking about cryptocurrencies here, this is a broader thing. So often the first month of the year isn't really reflective of how things stand and how the rest of the year is going to pan out. More often, Quite often you see a very good year that starts with a very bad month. 
So uh, I think we maybe shouldn't get too carried away with the optimism that we're seeing in the markets right now. Although, given the year that we've just had, who can begrudge us uh, a little bit of optimism at the start of the year? Finally, Craig, earnings stand out as one to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's going to be the real key one to watch now. Because of the data so far over the course of this first two weeks of the year has been really positive, the question on everyone's mind is, are earnings going to keep up? Not just are earnings going to keep up, what's the forecast? What do companies, what do businesses think the year ahead is going to bring? We've had very few layoffs at this point, although we have had big announcements from big tech. We've had big announcements from some of the financials as well. Are we going to see similar signals from other sectors within the economy as well? So all of a sudden, this very tight labour market, which is showing small signs of slack appearing, all of a sudden, are we going to start to see more signs of this slack appearing within the labour market as well? And could that be the thing that kind of removes or alleviates some of this optimism that we're seeing if businesses are still forecasting a recession or a, a significant slowdown in the economy? Will that take some of the buzz out of the markets that we've seen so far at the start of this year? I keep saying that this is going to be a very choppy year, very volatile year, I think, uh, because of uh, the way things are moving, because of the impact and the importance of inflation, the, whether it's going to be as stubborn on the way down as it was powerful on the way up. These types of questions I still think were a massive unknown and there's still huge other parts to play in this. The China story and how it's going to transition away from zero COVID to to living with it. Uh, obviously, the, the invasion of Ukraine and the impact that that's going to have on the energy markets ongoing throughout the course of this year. A lot of these things have been favourable and at least the reports and the headlines have been favourable at the start of this year. I don't think we can expect that to continue. So I think that while we've seen a really positive start and that includes in the crypto space, I think there's plenty more choppiness, plenty more volatility to come. Okay, Craig, thanks for joining us today. We'll speak to you again soon. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.